0: We're starting a new series today. It's a series called Freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. And uh, I suppose one of the most important things to understand in our lives is that Jesus has made us free. Jesus said um, he will give us life and life more abundantly. Jesus said um, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I know there's a lot of chains out there and there's a lot of bondage out there and there's a lot of holes that people have fallen into out there, but Jesus has come and he's caused us to raise ourselves up, he's given us a new life and he's given us freedom in him. And uh, we're going to learn about that today, we're going to start a series today that's going to go for a few weeks and we want to explore what it is to be free in Christ. Because one of the things, is, uh, one of the things that's quite terrible in life is if you... you uh, can be free and you don't exercise that freedom you just sit there in your little box that's a shame because you could be getting out doing things you know you could be getting out doing stuff in, in God but if you're locked yourself in a box even though you don't you don't have to be there you just confine yourself into that little place Jesus wants you to learn to be free and so we're going to explore freedom the freedom that Jesus brings us today amen we're going to ask Jesus to help us because i know i can't do it without him and uh, we want him to help us to understand his word today and father we just thank you for your spirit here with us right now lord you you know that your word says without you we can do nothing so that means i can't even preach a sermon without you jesus helping us lord we can't hear the the words of truth without your holy spirit taking those words and applying them to our lives so we can't even receive the Word unless you're here, Holy Spirit, helping us to receive the Word. Father, so we ask you to help me deliver the Word, and Lord, that you'd open our ears that we would receive the Word with meekness, that Word which is able to save us, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask, oh God, that you help us to understand your Word, because unless we have understanding in your Word, Father, it will profit us nothing. So we want to understand your word. We want to be able to hear it and understand it and make application of it. And Jesus, we ask you to help us here by your Holy Spirit. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, son. Freedom in Christ. This is one of the most amazing passages of scripture that I think I've ever read. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So I want you to read that with me this morning. And I want you to say, that if you've never seen that verse before, it'll be new to you. If you've been in the church for a while, you'll know this verse. But I want us all to read that verse together and so it becomes part of what we're thinking about. Therefore, if if all together now, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, that's true because it's God's word and if God says that's true, whether you feel like it's true or not doesn't matter anything it is the truth because when jesus comes into our lives and we ask jesus to come and live with us he makes all things new uh we can remember the bad stuff we can remember the old stuff we still have feelings about the old stuff we still can think about the old stuff but it doesn't mean that the old stuff is still there as far as god is concerned it's all gone now So you might have been living a life and you might have had a really bad history. But when you gave your life to Jesus and Jesus forgave you of your sins and he came and lived within you, all that past history was eradicated in God's eyes. And so that if you were to die today and you had asked Jesus to come into your life, and I, I don't know, my life, my history is pretty bad, yours might be just like mine. You you can stand before God now and he'll look up in the book to find if your name is in the book and he'll open his book and he'll find it. mm, 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 There, Mr. Reed. Ah, there you are, Mark. And I'll be shaking in my boots because I'm thinking, oh, I hope he doesn't see the bad stuff I've done and he'll be going, hmm, let me see history now. I can't find any history on this Man. I can't find anything written down against his name. And I'll say, why is that? And he'll say, because Jesus is covering your life. And whatever you owed me, Jesus paid the bill. So you're free now. That old is gone, the new has come. And sometimes my head can't catch up with it. Sometimes my brain sits, thinking about the things that I did in the past and I muse over them and dwell on them and think about them and make myself depressed. But the truth and the reality is that it's all gone now as far as God is concerned. And what we have in front of us is a brand new way, a new life to live. And the scripture tells us that The old has gone and the new has come. And the word new is an interesting word because it means unfamiliar. And for some of you who've just started coming to the church, you don't know much about God, you've just given your heart to Jesus just recently. This is kind of weird. It's kind of unfamiliar. Remember, I've talked to you at different times about Getting out of the rut and getting on that goat track that takes you up the hill. The rut's what's familiar. The rut is where you've always been. The rut is where you've gone before. The rut keeps you going in that same way. Well, when you come to Jesus, you climb out of the rut, you start heading up the hill. You start heading up a path that's not been trodden before. It's unfamiliar, but it's a great way to start a new life. Amen? Getting out of the rut of history. So that's the reality of it. It may not be what we've experienced in terms of our emotions and in terms of our thoughts, but it's what is experienced in terms of our spiritual life. We have a new life on the inside. And everybody who can feel that new life on the inside, put your hand up high right now. That new life has begun. Amen? So we want to look back at the Garden of Eden and discover what man lost... So we understand the good news about what Jesus gave us back. So if we go back to the garden and then to the gutter in the beginning. We discover that in Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 27, we read these words. And then, see, the, the Bible says that they had dignity because they were God's creation. See, man, Adam and Eve, when they were first created and God made them and he put them in the garden, he, they had the sense of dignity. There was a dignity about their lives. A lot of us don't feel dignity right now. If you, if you sit down and think about your own life, you, you don't, don't feel very important, nor do you feel quite dignified. You feel kind of messed up. Well, what we had was dignity. And that was because God created us in his own image. And this is what it says in that passage of Scripture. It says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, Then God said, Let us make man in our image and in, the, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and over the wild uh, animals um, and all over the creatures that move on the, on the ground. And, the, and God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them and made them male and female. So they had dignity because they are made in the likeness of God. They had significance. God gave them significance. Adam and Eve were significant. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 29, we read these words. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase the number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, and every living creature that moves across. He gave them a job, he gave them significance, says, I want you to look after the created order. That's what he Adam and Eve there, he says, Look, all the animals, all the birds, all the seeds, all the plants. He says, you look after them. You rule over them. You have dominion over them, he says. He gave them significance. He gave them, he made sure that they were safe and sound and safe and secure. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, we read, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to take care of him. He put him in a garden that had all the fruits in it. That was pretty good. You see pictures of the garden of eden and you think oh mate if i could only have lived in that place where trees would fruit and you just eat the trees or the fruit of the trees and you tended and god would come and talk to you that's pretty good you know it was a really safe place to be not only were they safe and secure but they were accepted and they belonged in in genesis chapter 2 verse 25 we read this, and Adam and, and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. You know that you get accepted and you belong when you can take your clothes off in front of somebody. Eh? That's the truth. When I'm standing with my wife, if I'm naked having a shower, and, I'm, and I, there's no shame. She's with my wife. She accepts me. I belong there. It's not, there's no sense of shame in the nakedness. The shame comes where you don't know, where you don't feel like you're going to be accepted. and You don't feel like, oh, if I were to take my shirt off here in public, ah, oh, I don't think I'd feel accepted. I don't think I'd, I'd belong very. Ah, oh, I'd be very shameful. You know, but with my home wife, my wife, and my in my family, it's it's normal. It's okay. Why? Because I'm accepted and I belong there. And so here where they were in this garden. God was there with the garden. The animals were there and Adam and Eve were there and they had no clothes on and they didn't feel any shame about that. Why? Because they're accepted and they belong there. They're accepted and they belong and they had an intimate relationship with God. God would come down and they would hear the... God sounded God, the Lord God walking in the garden and they would commune with God. God would come down and he would walk through the garden and talk to them. He'd say, you know, I'm going to bring all the animals down here, Adam, and I want you to name all the animals. I want you to call them by name. I want you to tell me what their names are. So he would bring the animals by Adam. And Adam they had this relationship with God, the creator. It was fantastic. Imagine that. It's hard to imagine that, isn't it? But that's what they had. And not only that, there was only one decision that they had to make, one life choice that was in front of them. Just one. Uh, not like us today who have many life choices, many decisions, but they had one choice. And that choice is found in, in Genesis chapter two, verses 16 to seven, and it says, "And the Lord God commanded the man." You are free to eat of every tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you do eat from it, you will certainly die. There was only one thing they had to remember. Don't eat of that tree in the middle of the garden. That was the only thing. So they had all of those things. But the garden was a place of testing. It was a test of love. God knew what was going to happen because he knew from the beginning, before he even created it, that man would fall. He knew that. He knew everything that was going to take place. It didn't take him by surprise. This was the test of love. Will you love me, child that I have made? Will you love me more than anything else? I've told you not to eat of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. Will you love me enough to obey me? Well, in the garden there was a deceiver. And he came and he sowed doubt in the mind of Eve and he lied to her about the character of God, made her deceived and she began to rebel against God because she believed him and she trusted in her own senses and she took a bite of the forbidden fruit. And immediately, she lost everything. She gave it to her husband and he took a bite. And immediately, they lost everything. They lost their dignity. They lost their secure place. They lost their significance. They lost their life right then. And ever since then, we've lost it all. The fall has been there. We've fallen into it. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, the death through sin, and death through sin, in this way death came to people because all sinned. It's like he was there, our parents, our grandparents. We all come from the same parents. We're all brothers and sisters in that sense. So our great great grandparent Adam and great great grandmother Eve sinned. And ever since that time, it's been down through the ages, it's been in us. Well, you get a choice, you know, what do you want to do? Choose the right or the wrong. Choose the right or the wrong. There's only one person who's made that choice right in in life, and that was Jesus. And when he was sitting on his mother's leg, the Bible tells us in Isaiah, when he was eating curds and which was you know like yogurt i suppose and he was just weaning from his mother's breast he discerned what good and evil was and he chose good not evil every other human being every other human being that ever has lived in this and even the babies on the laps today when they come to a place of understanding they will choose evil not good and the reason they choose evil and not good is because our daddy chose evil not good it's in us to choose evil not good And the reason Jesus didn't choose evil, but he chose good, because his daddy was Father God, not Adam. That's why he chose good, not evil. So everybody, everyone, slap yourself on the chest. I'm bad on the inside. you got that tendency towards evil every time. That's how you're born. So you wonder how you got into the hole that you're in now. You think about your own personal life. You think about where you've come from. You think about what's happened in your life. You think about where you are, what took place in your history. And you discover choices that you made. Things that you did or things that other people did to you that caused pain and heartache heartache and and grief and ended up in death. Death on the inside to your life. That's the hole in which we find ourselves. What we had, what our mum and dad, Adam and Eve had, is certainly gone now until Jesus came to fix up the problem. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And of course, if you sin and there's a God who is righteous, he's got to punish the sin. And that's why he says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, if you stay where you are and you don't access the freedom that Jesus brings you, you stay in your sin, you stay in the hole and what's coming toward you is the anger of God because that's what comes to those who don't get covered by Jesus. So from the garden to the gutter, we lost our divinity, we lost our sense of significance and safety and security, a sense of acceptance and belonging was gone. Our intimate relationship with God was gone and we experienced spiritual death and then eventually physical death because of it. Scientists tell us that they don't understand why humans die. Everything in their DNA is set up to be refreshed and renewed. We should, they say, live forever. Everything in the DNA, everything in our makeup is regenerating itself all the time. All the, you, you know if you cut yourself and it heals, you say, how does that happen, you know? You know, you get a disease or you cut yourself and it never heals, you're, you're in danger. But, you know, God made us to fix ourselves up. And that ability to heal and to be regenerated is part of our genetics. Until we sinned, we would never have died. But when we sinned, sin entered into creation. Now, the whole of creation grows. And even in our bodies and in our ideas, they say they know the DNA is mutating. They know it it's switching things off and it starts to mutate it, and then in the end it ends in death. They know that takes place on the inside, but they don't know what triggers it and they don't know how. It, i tell you what triggered it. God said the day that you do this you will die. He made us so that we would never die. He created us so that we would live forever and we sinned and when we sinned then he switched the thing off on the inside. And there's only one person who can switch that back on again and that's Jesus. He can switch it back on for us. So how do I get out of this hole I'm in? And we all live in a hole. How do I get out of this situation that I'm in? How do I get out of... And of course, our society says, well, you have to work harder to get out of the hole. That's the only way up. You can get Frank Sinatra, and he can stand and sing, and I'm not going to sing it. I did it my way. (laughs) Ah! You know that's the way. You know you have to. You have to work hard. If you don't work hard, now this is a, an element that you have to do something. But the, you know, you have to do something. But imagine yourself in the bottom of a hole, and the top's way up there. You can't get out. And every time you start climbing on the sides, what's going to happen? The the stuff falls in, and you start treading around and you can't seem to make it to the top you can't seem to get out every time you try to get a little bit of weight, even when you get a little you still can't find that deep satisfaction of of getting out of the hole and getting into a place of freedom i always wondered why people who i mean we always thought that the problem with the hole was that we, we don't have any money <laughs> if i had more money then i wouldn't be in the hole Isn't that right well, if I go and spend my money and I, and I get a ticket and I'll win a million bucks, I'd be out of the hole then, wouldn't I? What we discover is people who win lots of money are still in the hole. And they discover that the money doesn't help them any. That they still find that it's not happiness it's not going to give them what they're looking for. That money is not the issue. It's not whether you have money or don't have money. It's about your inner self. They they just didn't have it. And so we find that people who lose a lot of money commit suicides more readily, and people who win a lot of money commit suicide more readily. Why? Because the money's not the answer. So what do we do? Romans chapter ten verse three says, "Since they did not know the." the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's way. They sought they tried to establish their own righteousness. I got to be right. I got to get right. So the way I'm going to get right, well, I'm going to lose a lot of weight because I'm carrying a little bit of extra here. So I'll get walking. I'll walk around the block every day. My New Year's resolution was to walk around the block with my wife. I'll walk around the block with my wife. And make sure she walks fast. Oh, she walks fast. But I can walk faster because I don't want her to know that I'm really heavy. <laughs> and I just keep on walking. Why? Because if I walk harder, then I'll get out. of My physical experience will be like I will look trim. You know, I won't look like a tank. I will look like a truck. Oh. Then I'll be out of my hole. Uh not really. Or maybe if I... Start working hard athletically or academically or artistically or professionally. I, I, I apply myself to something and achieve something. I'm adequate, competent in achieving. I must be then a person of worth. Uh, we know that that doesn't fulfill a thing either. Because you can do all of that and still feel empty inside. You can paint the most wonderful picture. And at the end of the exercise, not be happy with the picture you paint. Everybody else is going, look at that. Isn't that an amazing picture? And then you look at it and think, you know what? It's not perfect. And I'm not happy. You can write a piece of poetry and it may be, oh, everybody, I oh, that's a fantastic piece of poetry. And you sit there and you think, hmm, still not quite right. It's just not, you just can't get it right. You might think money and possessions are the way you can hoard your money and you can save your money and you can get more money and you can hoard, hoard it up again, more money and have prosperity and you have another house and another house and another house and say, oh, I've got all my houses together in a row. Whoa, do you like my houses? And you think you got it, but guess what? People vandalize your houses and people break into your houses and people steal stuff from your houses and then all of a sudden you discover having a house is not the issue. We tried to establish our own sense of rightness before God. If only we, we come to God and say, God, you know, I can't really accept you. That will accept me until I try to do my best. And so I'll go to church and I'll be at church and I'll fast and I'll do the fasting and I'll pray and I'll do the pray. And my prayer, when I get there, I'm counting how many minutes I'm praying because I'm praying here now. I'm keeping a tally of them. Oh, I said half an hour today. Well, you want to know. I spent half an hour of prayer today. I'll let you know that. Mm -hmm. And I spent half an hour tonight too. Yeah, you'll be, yeah, God's got a little box here. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting feeling good about myself because I'm praying now. You know, I don't eat meals, you know, I'm fasting too. i let you know that I'm fasting because, you know, if I let you know that I'm fasting, I feel good about myself. I'm working myself out of my box. But the Bible tells us in Isaiah that everything that you do is good. He says it's dirty rags before him. He's not impressed with it because it's not what you did that got yourself out of the box. It's what Jesus did that got you out of the box. And the things that you do now are not because you're trying to get out of a hole. The things that you do now are because you want to say thank you to Jesus. You know, I don't pray now because I have to pray because he won't, he'll tick me off if I don't. No, I pray now because I want to talk to him. I don't own anything. He owns it all. So if I've got more, it's just more of his stuff. He owns everything. It all belongs to him. I'm not trying anymore to try and be good. I am good. I'm not striving to be good. I am good because he made me good. Without his grace, I can do nothing. So the wonderful thing is that we lost all of these things. We went to the gutter and then... We've got to get out of this gutter because there's something about us that can't be happy there. And we try all these things to try and get out of that gutter. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, For by grace have you been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that you cannot boast. So what he's saying to us there, he says, look, grace is an interesting thing. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Grace. What is grace? Grace is God's unmerited favor. You couldn't deserve it, Jenny. He just loved you. You couldn't do anything to get him to love you. Before you were even born, he loved you. He decided he was going to be nice to you and be gracious to you because he decided he was going to be nice and gracious to you. Nothing that you did deserved it. I can understand it because I love it too. I'd be gracious to her. But God, in his great grace, there's another meaning. When you go and have a look at it, it says God's grace is his unmerited, unmerited favor. And then it says it's the divine influence in the heart that is reflected in the life. So before you can even turn to God, God has to switch a switch on inside and say, turn to me. So beforehand, you said, oh, I want to hear about your God stuff. Don't talk to me about your God stuff. You can get your God stuff and you can go down the road with your God and your stuff. I'm not even interested. And then all of a sudden, a flick switch switches on. It's called Prevenian grace. Amen. It's the grace of God begins to work. It's the influence on the inside. For some reason, you decided to think about God more. And hey, where did it come from? God says, I want you to love me, so I'm going to give you the ability to love me. I want you to know me, so I'm going to give you the desire to know me. And before you even switched on to God, he switched you on so you could turn on to him. Before you even turned to God, he says, come to me. And then he put inside of you a desire to come to him. You had to overcome barriers. You had to get through situations. You had to run hard to get toward God. But the desire to run, he put it inside of you. He put the desire to come up inside of you. That was the grace of God. Before you even thought about him, he said, I'm thinking about you. I see you in the hole that you are. I see the pain. I see the suffering. I see all the stuff that's going on in your life. And you know what? I want you so bad, I'm going to switch you on to want me too. So I hear people say to me, I hate God and I hate you and I hate everything about you. And I just smile because I know that Jesus can switch them on like that and turn them around. That's the grace of God. That's God's favor. It's not, you didn't get saved because you got your head squirted out. You didn't get saved because you worked it all out. You didn't get saved because you got intelligence. You didn't get saved because you got supernatural faith. He gave you faith. He gave you repentance. He gave you a will to turn. And so when you stand before God, thank you. Because if you didn't turn me around, I know where I'd be going. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, mate, I want you to just stop and think about that for a little while. Where were you two years ago? What were you doing two years ago? Where were you four years ago? When you were in your world, where were you? What were you doing? Where were you going? Had it not been the grace of God, you wouldn't be here today. It's his love and his favor toward you. Amen? Where would we be without him? So he came and he took us out of the hole. He says for if by the trespass of one man death reigned through one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to live in the bottom of a hole saying, oh, here I am in the bottom of a hole. He said, if you ended up in the hole because of Adam, I'm sending Jesus and he's taking you up out of the hole. He says, and you will reign. What's reigning? That's the thing a king does. He rules and he reigns. God did not intend for you to be dominated and controlled by stuff over a slave to situations around you. He did not intend you to be a slave to your sin. He did not intend for you to be a slave to your passion. He did not intend for you to be a slave to your history. He did not intend for you to be a slave to anything. He said, He who is God's servant is a slave to God. That's who you're slave to, God. And God wants you to rule and reign. That's it. He wants you to be. His child. Well, oh, the devil says, Well, that means I'm losing something here. I got no control over you anymore. No, you got a choice. You can choose God and obeying the prompting of his Holy Spirit, or you can choose to believe the lie like Eve did. What you gotta believe? You want to end back in the hole, or do you want to get up and out of it? Jesus says. I've come and given you righteousness. That means he put a cloak on top of you. Stand up, Brad. I know this is embarrassing for you. This is Brad's first time here on Sunday. This is really dangerous. He might not ever come back again. Just imagine if Brad came here and on the outside, he had all the things that he'd done on the inside displayed on the outside of him. Would he walk in here with us? Would any of you walk in here with him if you had on the outside clothes that told us all about the things that you did on the inside? None of us would walk in here. None of us would trust anybody. We would all be naked because everything about us would be seen. When Jesus comes in, he puts a cloak of righteousness over him. So when you look at his face and when he smiles... You know what you see? The grace of Jesus. This is Jesus. He's working in this man to bring this man through. And, go, and you know, you haven't even started to see what God is going to do through this man. Oh, it's coming. God is going to do good things. But all the old stuff, it's been taken off. And he's given you a new garment. A new cloak of righteousness. And it's not what you think about it. It is not what Brad thinks about it. In the end of the exercise, it's what God thinks about it. What does God see when he looks at me? What does God see when he looks at Brad? You know what God sees when he looks at Brad? He sees clean. He sees righteous. He sees good. He sees his son, Jesus. Because that's where Jesus is living. You know, one of the things we often compare ourselves with each other and we measure ourselves against each other and we try and compete against one another. You know, it's all stupid. You just need to stop doing that. Just let Jesus do what he wants to do in our lives. Amen? Don't compare yourself to me and don't compare yourself to somebody else. You don't have to live up to anybody else's expectations. Just live with Jesus. Just be living with Jesus every day. Amen? The Bible says it's time for us to rise up. You've got to take this verse. And this is good news. This is where our freedom begins. We were in a hole. It was a bad, bad place. And then Jesus, by his grace, came down and stretched us and said, Come here, my friend. And seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus with him. He took us from the broken and he mended us and healed us and he replaced the broken with something brand new. Why? Because he, wanted, because he loves us. He loves us and he wants to do something with our lives. And the good news, the freedom in Christ starts at that place. It starts at that very place. You didn't deserve this. There's nothing that you have done that can earn this. Jesus did it for you. And this is the truth. Read it with me. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation, the old has gone, the new has come. The old has gone, the new has come. Start it with me. The old has gone, the new has come. You tell the devil that when he comes and brings a memory back to you. You tell him, the old has gone, the new has come. You tell them what God said about it. Don't tell them what you feel about it. Tell them what God said about it. Say, Jesus said, the old has gone, the new has come. I'm living in the new. Where are you living? In the new. I'm moving forward in the new. Amen? Let's pray and ask Jesus to help us. We have dignity now. We have significance now. We have safety and security now because Jesus gave it all back to us. We have acceptance before God and we belong to God. We have an intimate relationship with God again. Everything that we lost in the garden through Adam and Eve now has been given back to us in Christ. Jesus said, you know what the good news is? Adam lost it for you. But I've come to give it back to you. Everything that you... I want to live in the Garden of Eden. And I want to live there with Jesus. Let's do it. We start now. Start now with Jesus in your life. Now, I don't know if everybody here has receive Jesus in their life or ask Jesus to forgive them for their sins and, and ask him to come into their lives and make them a new person again. And if you haven't, it's probably a good time if you're feeling that nudge, the switch has been switched on the side, you can feel God just drawing you that way. Probably a good thing to respond to him and let him to do something in your life. So let's bow our heads, shall we? If you can feel that little switch like in the inside, it's like God saying to you, come to me, come to me. And you can feel it, it's like a, like a tug on the inside, almost like a fish hook that goes into your spirit and just pulls you toward himself. If you can feel that, I want you to respond to him today. I want you to raise your hand just before God. I'm not going to not gonna, can't get you to come up to the front, but I want you to raise your hand before God and say, God, I'm going to respond to you now because I can feel that sense in my spirit that you're drawing me to yourself. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life afresh. I ask you to cleanse my heart and to make me new. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to take up your residence in my life and to fill me with your Holy Spirit. I give my life to you today. I confess my sin before you. I believe that you're alive and here with us now. In Jesus' name. and Father, I pray for everybody here, Father, as they stand in a new place with you today. Lord, I ask that you would remind them this week that the old has gone, the new has come. And every time, Lord Jesus, they think about or are reminded by the stuff that was old, Lord, that you by your Holy Spirit would stir up within them a heart for you and for moving forward in you, Father. And that they would say, the old has gone and the new has come. We ask for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.